if you were going to mosh out your worst enemy, would you do it to the April situation by Shattered Realm? Your worst enemy. I yeah. mean, that, well, what, that's one yeah. of one of thousands of songs. But yeah, it'd be that'd up. be a good one. It'd be a good. Did you yeah. watch my video then? <laughs> Just now. <laughs> Just now. Yeah, it's a good one, man. Did you see it when I made that last year? No. Yeah, I did. I thought it was fucking well funny. <laughs> I know, man. It's just, it's really um, convenient that he's still in the same situation. So I can just share it again and be like, still relevant. Yeah. Still a thing. Yeah. No, it was It's funny, man. If you look closely, you can see I, I trip at the end. My foot like bends out of shot mm. and I fall on Mars. Yeah. Mm. Definitely one of the best beatdowns of all time. It's a good one. It is a good one. Yeah. Just a just a good old four three one four three one four three one. They know their they know their beatdowns. How's the guitar playing going? Really good, man. Really good. Yeah, I'm 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 catching on way quicker than I thought I would. I just spent years thinking I would be terrible, and now I've actually started learning. I'm not I'm not as terrible as I think. I'm all right. And then I've realised just how many riffs I've, that I love are actually so simple to play. I had no idea. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. It's made Sick. me realise how straightforward a lot of hardcore and metal riffs are. Like, but some of the best riffs are just so simple. The, the issue you've got with hardcore and metalcore is the speed sometimes. Like the actual arrangements themselves aren't that hard, but just trying to keep up with the tempo can sometimes be a bit of a bastard. It's like, yeah. how do you get how do you get your fingers in that shape that quickly? Especially when it's like a counterpart song or something, and it's like you've got You've got your index finger on the third fret yeah. <laughs> and your little finger on the 15th fret and your fingers are broken. Yeah, I've not even bothered trying to do anything like that. Counterparts won't be for a long time. But um, yeah, that, they're the hardest ones for me at the moment where like you're on like two and then there's a note on five mm. and it's just trying to find find your way. Once you go that far in the, to the neck, you're like, well, I'm, I'm, I've lost my positioning. But um, yeah, I'm really familiar with the first two strings, whatever you call them. I mean, I know you said it's reversed, so the I'm very familiar with the heavier two strings. It's all you need, mate. Like, yeah, if you, if you look at any song I've ever covered, you can pretty much play them more or less with like just four, like four, but bottom four strings. You don't, yeah. you know, I don't play a lot of stuff in a like a higher register or whatever. You know, I don't, I don't play much lead stuff. I'm very much a rhythm rhythm kind of guy yeah yeah no like uh, yeah i'll be obviously completely rhythm until whatever happens i don't know we'll see once i get to a point where i feel like i can start taking on some solos but mm-hmm. yeah it's fun man I'm, I'm having um loads of fun with it i'm I'm not getting as frustrated as i thought i would like i'm just sort of okay with being really crap and just sort of small victories you know like if i can play one note of one of my favorite songs then that's good enough and i'll just go from there Sometimes it's nice just to be able to play the sort of iconic part of the song. So exactly, like, yeah. So, so like I probably wouldn't be able to play Davidian in full, but just to be able to do... Yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, just being able to play like the bit that everyone remembers, the bit you can mosh to, like that's that's all it. That's what it's all about. Pretty much, yeah. I, I initially downloaded that song literally just to try and play the um the lo- the last breakdown. That's just like because I thought, oh, that's gonna be straightforward. And then once I once I saw the notation for the intro, I thought, oh, you know, I can try that because in in the lessons on Rocksmith, there's a lesson for I want to get it right. I don't think it's pinch harmonics, but it's where you play a string 
and you put your finger really gently on the string, like you hold it over the string, and it makes mm -hmm. it it makes it sound like a ding. It does like a really high, yeah, an angelic those... sort of sound. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, Limp Biscuit do a lot of them. Yeah, um, yeah, kind of like it create. I don't know the exact terminology for it. I probably should do it. It just sounds so good, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I have a lesson on it on Rocksmith. That's how I found out about it. So once I'd done mm -hmm. the lesson, I'm practicing it. When I saw it on the that song, I was like, oh, wow, that's what he does. So then I just, it felt really natural. It was like, oh, that's sick. And it was just way easier than I thought it would be to make that sound. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, cool. Nice, nice. And then, yeah, oh, Metallica cool. today. I've downloaded loads of Metallica and loads of Black Sabbath. So I'm going to be working my way through those. Good man, good yeah. man. Welcome to the Grumpy Old Moshers podcast episode God seven, eight. I don't even know anymore. 500, something like that. We're going to talk about metalcore. We're going to talk about 10 albums that we buzz off each. Yeah. That's 20 yeah. albums. Yeah. We figured it would be impossible, literally impossible to say a definitive top 10 because there's just far too many albums. There's hundreds of thousands well at least thousands of albums um, yeah. that, that we love in this genre so yeah it's impossible and and number one would change every other day so um yeah we just thought we'd do 10 that we really really love but it's too hard to yeah. pick a, a definitive in in the four or five years that you and me have been palling around i think each year there's been like a different Misery Signals album that's taken the number one spot and it changes like all the time. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we spoke about it yesterday, didn't we? Like every time I end up going back to them and listening, I get obsessed with one, with a different album each time. I'm like, ah, oh, this one is the best. Then I'm like, ah, oh, this one's the best. Ah, oh, no, it's all about this one. And I just end up chatting to you about it and going, mate, mm. how is this? And every time I listen to them, I go, how, how were they not bigger? I just don't understand. I'm always yeah, upset. it's a, it's a crime, isn't it? Um, I actually gave Absent Light another listen this afternoon, and sick it is. It is amazing. It is amazing, and I think it's one of those records where. But is this on your list, by the way? This this record, Absent, Absent Light, is not on my list. No, no. no okay, I was going to say, like, I think with that record because I know how much they didn't enjoy making it because it was quite a tense time, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I think that sometimes it makes you think like hmm i wonder if they kind of didn't give 110 percent. but to be fair it is a banger no yeah i think there's that was i mean the problem is like you said yesterday a lot of it is about um for you with, with a release is having some kind of um, context for it like promos photos videos what they were feeling at the time and the kind of motivation behind the record and this one being that there wasn't really anything and all that we did here was that tensions were high you know it was looking like they were going to get rid of Carl pretty soon they weren't all really feeling the band I think um why am I forgetting his name the bassist Kyle Kyle had actually left yeah so they were on a they were at an all-time low because they just lost one of their best pals he didn't know if he was going to come back or whatever so that record actually I think had it was pretty much just the Morgan the the Morgan brothers um and I don't think, I think Stu might have even left as well. So it was pretty much just the Morgans writing it. And so on paper, it's you'd think, oh, okay, you know, what's gonna what's gonna go on here? Like it probably is just one of them where they're not quite sure what to do. But then when you listen to it, it's like what I take from it is that Brendan and Morgan, Brendan and why am I forgetting their names? Brendan and Ryan, Ryan. Brendan and Ryan were like, right, this is our time to push push this as hard as we possibly can as musicians because 
this is probably make or break for us. You know, like we've been going 10 plus years, like this is it. Like we're just going to give it our everything. And also the record wasn't even kind of planned. It was the crowdfunding allowed it to be something. So I think once they realized that people wanted it and gave them the money, they were like, right, we're going to make, we're going to do this for the people and do the best thing we can. And when I listen to it, I'm like, yeah, they've done that. Like some of the best riffs I think they've ever written are on there. And by far some of the best drum lines that Brendan's ever played are on that album. Like some of the drum lines that like, just make me scratch my head. I just don't even like the breakdown in the shallows. There's like some polyrhythm he does with hats and mm. kick and it just makes me feel ill. I'm so I don't know how. So it is, it is amazing. Like music, the musicality is unbelievable. Um, but I just think, yeah, like you said, not much promotion around it. it. Just kind of, it felt like it got rushed out, but I don't think it did. Like, I think they spent loads of time on it and I think they made an incredible record, but it just, like like we've said with Misery Singles in the past, they they're not the best at promoting their stuff. They're not the best at kind of pushing their music. Like in you know, it's kind of frustrating how they just write this incredible music, but then they just let it go and don't don't do anything with it. Yeah, except, except yeah. tour shit loads, but yeah, they're very much you know they're focused very much on the sound. I think a lot of the stuff is secondary for those guys. Yeah. Um, I think with the album as well, like the artwork just didn't really do much for me. I thought it was just a bit like generic and yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think we were saying this yesterday, like, you know, you're, you're very much a guy who were like the album itself, the sound of the record that tells the full story. Whereas I think me, maybe cause I'm a bit more of an Impericon kind of uh, an Impericon fiend. Um, mm. Now I'm, I, I very much you know look more into like the presentation music videos and all the different aspects of it but yeah but yeah i, mean, I, I really respect albums that have like mm. a clear kind of theme and um and are written sort of with a with an in, intent so i just feel like with, with an atmosphere and sort of a, a, a feel from that's sustained and absent like nails that for me like the intro sort of you feel so menacing and sort of like um epic and sort of final and then the outro is the same guitar line for the intro with like the same uh piano melody and it sort of fades out and it's it just takes you into this other world i find that musically that album it's like from beginning to end it, it just it takes you on a complete journey like whereas i feel like ultraviolet sort of cuts you out before it just sort of goes and you're like oh it's over like what the fuck happened and the intro is just sort of in your face as well but so absent light to me is a really well thought out piece of music like it's is is excellent and to be honest i think it's carl's strongest like carl's voice is, gives me chills in the album mm-hmm. and i think because he'd reached such a strength of vocal even though he wasn't totally in it his the strength of his delivery is pff, insane yeah i think you're definitely right in terms of like the flow of the record ultraviolet as much as i love it the songs kind of quite there's a lot of like contrast between the songs and they don't seem to flow that well. Like you could have potentially have put them in any order and it doesn't really matter. Um, whereas with absent light, it definitely feels like one big arrangement. Yeah. Do you want to um, start talking about one of your metalcore albums? Yeah. Well, as we're on the topic, we might as well begin with misery signals because we know that this is both on our lists. So, the first one is Misery Signals Controller, released in 2000. I want to say 2006. I believe so, yeah. I believe that is yeah. correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. You want to kick us off? Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was the full 
the whole family on on that record. Carl, uh, Ryan, Stuart, Carl, Brandon. You know, everybody. If I'm not mistaken, everybody was part of the creative process. Yeah, that. they were. Yeah. Um, the first sing is the, it was the it's the third album overall from Misery Signals. Mm. The second with uh, Carl on vocals. The first song that was released was Weight of the World. Um, it wasn't sort of like the the main song on the album. It it was it was a certain death that was sort of like the big the main track, you know, with a video or whatever. But the first sync, the first song was actually Weight of the World. Um, I actually looked up that song today, and it said that the song itself is about deciding whether you should tell someone what you really think and get it off your chest or take the high road and let them think that they're right. So I need to cut in and just say, I'm an idiot. It's 2008. It was released. Mirrors. Mirrors was 2006. My bad. Was it? Yeah. Okay. And then Malice was 04, right? Malice was 04, sort of 03. I I get it mixed up whether it's three or four. Hold on. Mm -hmm. Um, 2004, right? So we've got 2004, mm-hmm. 2006, 2008, and then yeah, absent like 2013. Mm-hmm. Apologies, any Mystic fans who are listening right now. Yeah, yeah, we we really should know that, considering how we much time that. we listen to them. Like, but there yeah. you go. In any so, case, banger. yeah. So basically, you know, Jesse. If anyone doesn't know the story, Jesse was their first vocalist. Um, a lot of shit went down. There's a documentary you can watch called Yesterday Was Everything, um, which is incredible. I'd recommend everybody see that. Um, it tells you the story a lot better than I can, but essentially a lot of different traumas happened to the band and members, particularly Jesse and um, Jesse left the band after sort of internal band troubles. Um, they got a new vocalist in Carl, did Mirrors two years later, and that album you can very clearly hear they were trying to be bigger, heavier, and just better. They wanted to say that look, we don't need Jesse anymore. We're going to make the be- best, the best album ever. That's going to be better than Malice ever was, because they one of the rare exceptions of the first record was so unbelievably, stupidly good that it really set the bar super high. So when Jesse were left, they were like, oh, you know, you could tell that they were thinking, oh, are we going to, are we going to be able to do this? So some of the breakdowns in Mirrors are like. Heavy, heavy to the point of absurdity. Like the, the breakdowns are just, you can tell they've just tried to be like, look how heavy we are now. We're so much heavier than the first one. And just, it, it's a great album, but it, you can tell at moments they're trying a little bit too hard. And for some reason, Mirrors just isn't as memorable as the rest, but it's still got some serious moments on it. But songs like The Butcher are like really weird, just so heavy and just, I don't even know what the, the vibe was with the rest of the record, but great record. Then, Two years afterwards, they tore it at loads. They get tighter as a band. They get tighter as friends, etc. Controller, 2008. They go back with Devin Townsend. So they worked with Devin Townsend in 2004 on Malice. Devin is a mastermind. Everyone knows Devin Townsend. He's a legend. One of the best producers as well and worked with them on this out on, on Malice. Then they left and did Mirrors somewhere else. Came back for Controller and that was it. They were so much tighter as a band. They'd had all this experience and Controller was there magnum opus it was their masterpiece um where they were just firing on all cylinders and they created a perfect piece of art interestingly enough i remember um ryan putting a it might might have been ryan putting a post out a couple of years back saying well back in 2018 actually so you know 10 year anniversary he posted a picture of what was going to be the alternative artwork for controller which was like a the same picture of that I think it's like a city, isn't it? Um, like a skyline. 
but it's very much uh, it's a lot more vibrant. The, the, there's a lot of like color, a lot of bright colors like purples and pinks and stuff. And he actually said some would call this our best record. Some would call it our worst, which I thought was interesting because to me it's always been you know a standout record for those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I, I think Ryan saying that would be just this sense that people who were fans of the first record of Malice would find it hard to get past. You know, new vocalist, totally different vocals, tone. I mean, instrumentally, I don't think there was a, there was a drastic difference between these al- these albums. Um, but I think, like for me personally, anyway, I I found Major Signals through Malice and was obsessed with Malice for a long, long time before I bothered to try the other albums. And it was a real process of I had to accept Carl's tone, and and I, I grew to love it. But it took me quite a while, so I think that would be one reason why Ryan might have said mm-hmm. that. Um, but I was watching an interview with them yesterday for Controller, and when it had just come out, and they were saying, well, just before it came out, they were like, "We can't wait to release this. I think it's made us closer as friends. I think Devin's input was just the best thing we could have had. Like he was almost like a sixth member and cared about it just as much as we did, if not more." And they said, "We just it's made us all closer, and we just feel so excited and like." Ryan was saying, yeah, it's like the hardest we've ever worked on an album or something like that. And like, it all just shows, you know, like they're so proud of it. And you just think, yeah, man, this is some, something insane. So all I know is I f- had listened to Malice quite a while, a few years before I'd really listened to the other albums. Every time I tried to put them on, I was like, don't like Carl's vocal, turned it off, didn't bother. And then I was in Canada and um, wasn't, was in a bit of a rough place mentally was feeling pretty shit around that time winter was awful and started listening to that album properly and once it clicked i don't think i've listened i can't think of an album i've listened to that much on repeat like i feel like i had it on repeat because i was going to uh study and like work in the library late nights and stuff so i'd have that album on probably like four or five times a day like i would just end and i'll just start it again and i did that for like six months i think just every day it was just on constant rotation and i've got it now because i've started scrubbling which people don't know it's the last fm is like an app you can scrubble which keeps a track of like things you've played and there's no track of how many times i played that album and i wish there was because it was just stupid yeah. so it's, it's up there it has to be one of my best albums of all time because i just was obsessed with it still am but i was yeah obsessed how did that album influence you from a drum point of view? So Brandon's drumming, I could, I could write, I could spend a whole podcast talking about, but um, like essentially what, so let's just get this out of the way first. Brandon's the best drummer in metalcore, hands down. Like there's, in my eyes, there's no one better than him. Um, and one of the things that he brings to the table, which I, f- I see very little of, particularly in like metalcore, or like classic metalcore, is jazz drumming and jazz sensibilities. It just pretty much, I never hear it or it doesn't really, I, I never hear anything beyond just like a four to the floor, strong kicks and just, you know, your very standard like stick work. But when, when I hear his recordings and really get into them, it is something else. Like he'll he'll play all your standard like, your four 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 kicks and like steady beats but then he'll just add like these jazzy flams and like these jazzy paradiddles and like these like odd time signatures and sort of like metric modulation and all this crazy stuff that just you don't hear any 
any anywhere else in metalcore music and um it just blows my mind every single time and he just always knows the exact kind of style to play at the exact moment of each track and so much of music signals is like these beautiful melodic moments and he matches that perfectly with really like you have to be very talented to do the kind of complex um sort of lighter like dynamic like jazzy stuff that he does with on on the lighter melodic moments you know like he does a lot of crazy really complex like peaceful beats and um it's just crazy just it always matches it perfectly and yeah he's nuts man he's just completely on another level so listen to that album controller just yeah inspired me a lot man just made it so easy to, and, and it's one of them where I, i've listened to these songs so many times and i really don't feel confident to play pretty much any of them that's how good he is so mm-hmm. and also his kicks are monstrous the guy is just it's just like a woodpecker like i don't it just it, when you watch him his, be, his legs barely even move as well but his kicks are just always just blisteringly fast like i try one cover i did was luminary and trying to match those kicks was a nightmare I've done two Misery Singles covers so far and the kicks are just, I don't know how he does it. I really don't, especially for a whole set. So, yeah. Did I ever tell you about that time I went to see Homewrecker and they had to delay the set by like half an hour because they tried, because they played the first song and before the first bar was even finished, the drum, the drummer had kicked the kick drum so hard that it broke. Just went through, <laughs> his kick drum just went, it just went through the fucking drum and they just sat down to get a place replacement. Oh, yeah. Crazy show that Homewrecker, Weekend Nachos, some of the yeah. crazy bands. Yeah. But yeah. there you go. Just little kick drum. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's story. hilarious, man. I want to think, yeah. I feel like I might've done that in the back in the day myself, but I've definitely been at shows where that has happened. I think one, once or twice. Yeah, man, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, so you, I, get, you get your rock stars smashing guitars on stage, so the th- yeah. fuck it, dr- drummers do it as well. <laughs> yeah, no, but like, I don't know, man. It just you watch him play, and it's effortless. The guy yeah. makes everything look so easy, and he just—it's so technical, but it's so played in such a relaxed style. None of it is strained, and it just comes across such a beautiful way. Like. It is comparable to like an expert jazz drummer as well. I see it's like a very, very proficient jazz drummer. And that I've learned from listening to their interviews and things like that, that he is a massive jazz geek, like pretty much listens to it nonstop when they're in the van and stuff. So that just shows so much that like that's his passion and he brings that to the table. And it's, I wish there were more drummers out there that had this kind of like jazz understanding and influence and we're so much into like metal because it's it seems this they're always so far apart you know like a jazz drummer can't can't hit those kicks like you just can't get a strong like double kick kind of rhythms so to have the blend it's it's beautiful beautiful thing nice yeah he's uh yeah don what what would you say about controller like what for you makes it one of your favorite metalcore albums if you had to just think of a few so, things so controller well I, I mean i can't talk about it in quite as sort of technical ways as, as you can but certainly the production i thought the, the drum production delivery was really tight i thought the mix was fantastic you know the guitars devin is ba- the balanced yeah devin townsend amazing producer mm-hmm. um and yeah you know just carl's vocal delivery i mean i know you, you think you said absent light was his strongest delivery i personally think this one was is, is a powerhouse you know like and, and and they have a really great balance of melody 
and emotion, but also just like, you know, deadlift music, you know, brutality as well. You know, they've got the breakdowns, they've got the, it's just got everything you want from a metalcore album. It, it's Literally. it's also it's also quite a bit faster than the previous works. So, for mm. example, "Weight of the Worlds" like a really you know the, that is quite you know quite fast. Some of the the songs seem to be a bit shorter as well on that record. Mm. You know, like "Weight yeah. of the World" clocks in at like two minutes fifty seconds, whereas some of the songs are yeah. You know, Malice like, has a few five minute ones that are a bit like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that it seems like they've taken. Kind of like what counterparts seem to do with each record, they, they took the bet, they've taken the best of what they know mm-hmm. and made it, you know, quite you know, like concise and uh, yeah, similar similar to Absent Light, you know, the flow of ebb and flow, you know, no pun intended. <laughs> That's one of the songs on the record, and um, uh, you know, the it just it just flows really well. Um, my yep. favorite track is Set in Motion because I love the way that the vocal patterns and the lyrical choices go with the sound. So um, it's like, it's not going to stop. Not going to stop. Not going to stop. You know what I mean? Like, and, and then, and then, and then the music kicks back in and then, you know, that breakdown where it's burn it down, burn it to the fucking Fucking ground. ground. It's just like, it's like, that's the kind of thing where, you know, if I'm at the bottom of a barbell squat, and yeah. I don't think that I, I've got the strength to muster to come back up. That will fucking get That'll me back up. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah con- controller was one that we both uh, selected. Yeah. What? And what... I will say before we move on, I will say mm. if you haven't heard this album, do yourself a favor. If you like, if you enjoy metalcore music, do yourself a favor and go listen to it, man. It's and fucking you, phenomenal. And if you don't like it, just take a good long look in the mirror. No pun intended. But um, yeah, it's one of the yeah. best albums, one of the best metalcore albums of all time, easily, and one of the best albums just generally, I would say as well. So, do yourself a favor, yeah. go go have a listen. Exactly. What's the first, What's the uh, an, an album that you selected? Because because I think the rest of it, we've both got different ones. This was the only one I think where we both chose it. Uh, no, we we actually oh actually. So I think what we have, we have another of the same band. Okay, but I think a different album. Am I right? Am I right? And say, have you got counterparts on your list? I have. Yeah, I've got tragedy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's go on to that then, because we both we both got counterparts, but we have different albums. So starting with Donald, we are at number hmm. two ten metal metal albums that we love, and Don is going to kick this off. Counterpart, tragedy wow. will find us. Tragedy will find us. I mean, it was it was one of those records where. I knew who counterparts were. I'd, I'd spent a decent amount of time listening to songs from The Difference Between Hell and Home. Obviously, I knew the disconnect from The Current Will Carry Us. So I was a sort of quite a passive counterparts uh, listener at that time. And then a good friend of mine, David, went to see Senses Fail play with Capsize. Whoops. And uh, counterparts were opening that show. And he, he, you know, he told me they put, you know, put on a brilliant show. I, I myself had seen them before. They opened for Architects back in 2015, just after the release of the album, I think. But in any case, David says, you know, I've got into this band counterparts, and you know, I've been listening to this new record for a couple of weeks, and they're already one of my favourite bands of all time. And I remember saying to him, like, "Fuck off! Surely not! Like, you know, yeah. they, how how have they gripped you that quickly?" Because I thought they were good and everything, but I, you know, I kind of just thought they were a bit of like a paint by numbers kind of band. And then, yeah, threw myself into that album and really related to it on a lyrical, from a lyrical point of view, because 
I was going through a really rough time at that time. And, you know, Brendan's got a lot of very, very bleak, dark, nihilistic lyrics. And I was in a bleak, dark, nihilistic spot. Um, you know, so I love the melodies. I, I, I love the production. I love, I mean, as a bassist, you know, I was, that's when I started playing bass roughly. So I, I really appreciated the nice, loud bass tone that the album had. Um, and you know what? It's one of those albums where conceivably any given song could have potentially been a single, you know, the, the, there's no fillers on it. Mm. Um, you know, the back end of the album, I'd say, is just as strong as the the first half, probably stronger, actually. You know, you've got songs like Withdrawal and Drown and Solace on there. Mm. Um, I also liked that the album had no problem in acknowledging its influences. There's a song on there called Stranger, which rhythmically is uh, kind of like a, it's almost like a sister song to uh, Misery Signals in summary of what I am. Yeah. It, tragedy certainly was tragedy will find it was definitely an album where counterparts stepped out the comfort zone a little bit and uh yeah you know tried to do something a little bit different the, mm. the it was the first it, i think in a way it kind of set the tone for the counterparts that we know and love now you know what i mean because if you look at the last three albums yeah they kind of have that a similar sort of vibe uh you know shorter songs condensed in you know condensed nice and concise mm-hmm. um yeah just just a just an absolute powerhouse of an album i'm more, i'm interested to see i mean i know we'll, we'll get on to the other counterparts record but i'm interested to hear mm. what you've got to say about the record because i specifically remember you really not quite getting along with it other than burn the single there was a yeah, time um, when you it didn't do anything for you but that, no, you know no. yeah um so it's a, it's a weird one. It's weird with me. So it's kind of hard for me not to to explain without talking about um, my one. So I'll just say now my pick is uh, Difference Between Hell and Home, which is the album before this one. Um, so I found Counterparts at the, at the back end of Current Will Carry Us. So I found a disconnect, I think like 2011 or 2012. Immediately was like, this speaks to me on a different kind of level. Um which is probably yeah, it's not it's not ideal, is it? But we we had experienced depression. Obviously, those lyrics were just like, oof, they hit they hit hard, man. So I was like, I'm a fan. And uh, Helen Home came out, and I was literally like blown away. Like that, I was obsessed with that album every day, all the time. I'd never heard drums in that way. It, it, I just never heard such complexity, and the way Kelly's like just the way Kelly would think about fill placements and beats and just have so much flavor to it, to his rhythms as well. Like all his beats had so much style to them. It's like just crazy. I'd never heard drums that were just straddling the line between like, you know, it's not your straight up like chuggy metal core. It's not your brutal kind of hardcore and it's somewhere like in between and it sways between those areas and just, I don't know. It's hard to explain, isn't it? With counterparts. Cause they're just so, so technical, but so tasteful at the same time. It's not, it's never technically for the sake of it. Um, and I remember just, yeah, musically just found that so interesting. There wasn't really any band I was listening to at the time that had any kind of interesting notes like that. Like a lot of metal was just very straightforward 
Counterparts was the opposite of straightforward. And um, obviously the lyrics, yeah, just hit super hard. And um, so then by the time tra- Tragedy came out, I'd already actually been a fan for quite a few years. So I think my expectations for them were really high. So I I actually, the problem with this for me is is not the album itself. The problem was my expectation actually ruined my enjoyment of this album. And that's happened to me on a few occasions. But I was so obsessed with Helen Home that I was expecting a Helen Home 2.5. And when this album was something different, I wasn't happy about it, basically. So I just I, bl- I blew it off pretty much. Um, Collapse was a song that I absolutely loved. And Burn, I thought, was okay, but it never really like hit me that hard. And I remember going to an architect show, and w- and they opened up. And it was the first time I think I'd ever got to see them. And they they were on the cycle of tragedy. So I got to see Burn, and like they mainly played quite a, f- things, a few things of the new album. And uh, I was kind of like... I was excited to be there, but at the same time, I just wasn't that keen on it. And then afterwards, I kind of just felt that it wasn't my thing. But as I've revisited it in the future, I do think it's an amazing album. I just think my expectation was way too high. And they're not going to make this that, you know, they're not going to make it Helen Home again. Um, and Stranger, I think, is actually one of their best songs, although it is a bit of a rip. I think it's, it is a banger. Um, anything that kind of, if, if you're ripping off Mizu Signals, like, it's, it's fine in my book. Do you know what I mean, if, if there's any, if I can get more Mizu Signals sounding music, I'm happy with that because there's so little of it in the world. Uh, yeah. But yeah, just looking at the track listing now, like Choke's a banger, Tragedy's great, Burn is solid, Collapse is amazing, Stranger's brilliant. So I think my issue, when I tried to listen to this again, I think six months ago, the first half of this album, particularly like the first quarter, the first like three songs, I really don't like them. I think there's nothing memorable about them. They're just not messy, but like, there's nothing about it that sticks to me. I don't like it. And then once we get to like tragedy and onwards, I'm like, oh, this is picking up like crazy. Um, but I don't. I just don't feel like it's anywhere near as consistent for me personally as difference between Hell Home. But I have gained a lot more respect for this album now. I do think it's a great album. Um, but I'm just not as versed like as I should be to give it a full effect. Do you know? What I, mean? I haven't listened to tragedy mm. anywhere near as much. Like I actually think to this day, I'm not sure if I've listened to tragedy from beginning to end. <laughs> at hmm. all so fair enough fair enough um do you remember when counterparts did that show at the two in tram in london with renounced yeah. and they, they were under the name uh the disconnect i think they just called the disconnect, the disconnect. Like, everybody, everybody knew it was everyone knew but yeah. yeah like there was like a moment within uk hardcore where counterparts got a little bit of a resurgence from that album um yeah very briefly and that's that was one thing that put me off them and it was weird because i remember telling you about it i was kind of annoyed with like that whole like it just felt like to me that counterparts did their own thing and then it felt like at that point they'd become a little bit clicky and they were kind of like oh yeah we do we do misery signals worship and we do this worship and they kind of thought but that's not what I saw you as. I saw you as your own entity. You know, I mean, I saw you as counterparts. I didn't see you as like this metalcore worship band. Because let's be honest, Helen Home doesn't sound like any kind of metalcore worship band, does it? I don't think there's any song on there that's like this is a rip off of anything else. It literally is just it's them. Like it's so unique. Um. So then with tragedy, it was like they they kind of kept saying it at shows that like, oh, we love music signals. This is a you know, da-da-da. and it was like, okay, I love that you like this stuff, but like, why are you? why are you downplaying your band like it made me think that tragedy was going to be this kind of like lackluster like worshipy rip-offy because let's be honest like hardcore bands are great right but so many of them would just come out rip off a band you know just say oh, i want to do a, I want to do a something worship band they do the worship band they do like a demo and then they disappear and it's like that's all well and good like i love it and it's 
in, in a sense, but with counterparts, I put them on a different like pedestal. Which I, mean, I didn't, I didn't see them as they're not just a worship band; like they're they're a legit band. And obviously, they tragedy showed that. But I think me thinking that it was going to be a worship thing made it made me not rate it as much. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean the thing is with counterparts, like they say that they're like Mr. Signals worship, but if you actually think about it, they're a Saints Never Surrender worship. Yeah, I remember checking them out I mean? once that's, I that's heard about that. Thing, yeah, like, once I heard about that, I checked them out and was like, fucking hell, this is a really blatant rip in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I get that with a lot of bands. Like they say that one band's influenced them and it's actually been another. Like many yeah. people say that Blink were the biggest influence, but really it was the story so far. Let's be honest. Yes, that's that. You know, uh, we always knew that one, didn't we? We always yeah, knew yeah. that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Just be honest. Come on. Yeah. Bands <laughs> like to say that they're their favorite band because they want you to think that it's that one, but really they're blatantly ripping off another band that they don't want you to know about. Yeah. Yeah. For exactly. sure. It's like they, they want to mention like the sort of iconic old school band. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 We're, we're, we're vet- veterans. Because if you watch neck deep interviews and stuff like they're never for a second mentioned. The, the word story so far is forbidden. Like they will not because they because it's such a blatant like following. Because the story so far obviously did it all first. So it's such a blatant thing that's like oh, they don't. We don't mention that here. <laughs> we'll just mention yeah. Blink. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, and they they so. sound literally nothing like Blink, do they? Like it's just yeah, exactly. They're, they're sick though. I love them. Oh yeah, great band, great band. But I remember always thinking, come on, guys, your story yeah. so far, like, is no one mentioning this? But, <laughs> <laughs> but in fairness, I love them both. But it's still, it's one of them. It's like, come on, this is shameless. But you remember that old time law um, song? It was called Weightless, and there's um, let me try. I'm trying to think clearly what exactly it was. So basically, old time law playing a show, and somebody's there in the crowd saying, "Oh, this band rip off." fallout boy and he's texting his mate saying this band rip off rip off fallout boy yeah and then mark hoppus is behind him and it shows his texts saying both all time law and fallout boy rip off blink <laughs> no way yeah. yeah that's the thing obviously every band's got to rip off someone else and like obviously saints never surrender is the most unknown band of all time so it's one of them where once you really go dig deep into counterparts you're like oh shit Three yeah. sounds like that, but it's so much better than that. Let's be honest, but it's still—it's not like it's come out of nowhere. But um, yeah, man, the musicality—they're just incredible musicians, you know. Like the 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 music is so real and just so powerful. Um, so yeah, counterparts, nice. uh, check them out, guys. If you haven't heard of them, they have a brilliant discography. Ignore everything sort of post current uh, before Helen Home. Just start there. Don't, don't worry about the rest. It's funny you say that, actually. Brendan tweeted a few minutes ago saying, and he puts stuff like this out all the time. He he hates um, the current Mulcarriers. Yeah. Let me just try and find it. Uh, yeah, I saw, I've seen him post uh, different things about how much he yeah, hates it. Was, like, was it the fart sounds one? It was fart sounds. No. It? It was like, it, it go listen put, to Mulcarriers, uh, and then the thing says, fart sound for 100 hours. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, he's basically just put puts a, he just puts a post out saying how shit like the second album was. Um, this is it. You don't like the current Mulcarios as a whole. You just heard the disconnect when you were sad and are afraid to admit it sucks shit out of a fucking toilet. Literally, yeah. So yeah, everything True. after the first two albums uh, is more or less flawless. Um, Pretty much, yeah. I mean, to be fair, we've talked about 
these two records. My favorite counterparts record, to be fair, is probably the most recent one. Nothing left to love. Um, yeah, I, I would. I, I'm close to that as well. It's really close, but I think Helen Holmes still takes it for me. But then that, yeah, this latest one is fucking insane. It's well good. Yeah, Helen Holmes definitely the most like iconic sort of legacy record. Yeah, I mean for me, man, like it's pretty much part. It's part of my my being at this point. Like you know, that album is literally. I don't know, man. Is, is there's certain albums that just made me the person I am today, and that's one of them. So I have to. It has to be number one, I think, for me because of that. For sure. Um, but yeah, this... <laughs> that was the sound <laughs> of microphone. my my of my uh, microphone almost getting right. destroyed. But we, we sound all right. Um, yeah. yeah. Number three. Let's keep it swiftly moving because we we. I mean, we've we've done two that we love, but we spent a lot yeah. of time talking about these yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's we'll, bring we'll, this up. We'll be brief. Number three, guys. Don is going to kick us kick us off. All right. So this is one that I changed. Um, I was going to do Mesmer by Northlane, uh, but instead I'm doing Alien by Northlane, which is their most recent one. Now, calling this a metalcore record is probably a bit of a stretch because they've they've definitely taken a significant de- uh, departure in terms of the sound, um, but. It's the fifth album by Northlane, the third one with Marcus Bridge. Um, and to be honest with you, I was, I was doing a bit of research on it earlier. And apart from maybe like Sunbather by Death Heaven or like Thriller by Michael Jackson, hmm. I think it might be like the highest rated fucking album I've ever seen. Like the reviews for it were just absolutely through the roof. It was just like 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10, 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10. It won like loads of awards and stuff. So like I thought I'd talk about that one because it seems to have been like their most universally loved and successful album. I mean, I know that they had a previous vocalist, um, Adrian Fitzpaldes, who left back in 2014. Uh, I think he was having some problems with his like throat and stuff. And I'm not surprised because he was an absolute animal but adrian mm. i think adrian just left i think mean, she wasn't keen on the music anymore fair enough yeah. fair enough but yeah they took quite a significant uh departure in terms of direction Huge. after that they were you know there's um the vocal delivery and range is different they they use like screams um and like chorus melodies and stuff as well like Marcus Bridges is definitely the best vocalist I've ever encountered in terms of like vocal range. Mm. You know, being being able to sort of like scream and sing at the same time, it's it's crazy. Mm. Um, yeah, they've, they've, with with Alien, they really crafted a very much like a futuristic sound. Um, you know, new metal influences, industrial metal influences, EDM elements. It's a great album. It's a very personal album for Marcus as well. Marcus grew up with drug addicted parents. He was from a very, very abusive home. And it's interesting because this particular record, uh, even though it's got a very, very futuristic sound and stuff, um, it's the only one that isn't about technology and stuff. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So like the previous records have been about like uh, technology society the future of you know I- industry things like that um but on this it's like it's very it's a very spacey record but it's but it's very personal as well mm-hmm. um so for example the this is the song bloodline is about um like his you know like he had quite a violent father and they have a very very 
intense music video where like he's you know getting beaten quite badly by his dad like so like, there's like a warning at the video at the start of the video and stuff so like i think they wanted to make the visual aspect as abrasive as the musical aspects which i thought was you know really dark but also kind of cool as well um nice. so yeah yeah you know there's there's the whole it's kind of a concept album really just about him you know so like the opening uh, the opening track details matter that's about that's the idea of a protagonist um in a world where people would feel happier if they were suffering mm-hmm. um 4d the third track which is one of my favorites uh it says here that it's a lyrical quest to have others feel understood and to not feel alone Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, very, very personal record about, you know, like mental illness, depression, abuse, that kind of thing. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, it, it was nice to see them, um, you know, change the sound, but at the same time also change the subject matter as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, absolute banger. Love. So then, so then musically, thing. what would you compare them to if you, if you could say like a um, band? No, I can't never. anymore. No, no. To be honest with you, I've that's n- always a good thing. Early, like, yeah, I mean, like, first couple of records, I'd probably say that they were adjacent with, you know, a lot, just any sort of tech metal band with an emphasis on breakdowns and, you know, a bit of a hardcore element. But now, I don't know, they've got, they sound like Pendulum meets... Mm. Um, Linkin Park. Pen, yeah, Pendulum, Linkin Park, Prodigy, you know, there's... Um, a lot more electronica in the mix. Yeah, very much so, man, very much so. So, yeah, yeah. you know, and like I said, it was just it was just so, so well received. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I try not to pay too much attention to what critics have to say, because I know sometimes they can be biased or yeah, sometimes they have a bit of a gripe and they don't want to give the band a good review, but it, it was just universally loved. Mm. Um and and you know I I felt very similar to about about it as well. Did you hear it, Alien? Yes. I heard a little bit of what you said. Um, mm. Oh no, yeah, that was I... that was off Mesmer. That was when I was going to talk about Mesmer. This is the most recent one. Okay, yeah, I really don't. I couldn't say. I might have. I might have not. I, the um, I can't think of it. Though I mean that one there where the music video that just came out is that off of Alien? No. So the the that new I even knew a thing. Yeah, clock, Clockworks a standalone uh, track. It could have easily have been on Alien in terms of how it sounds. Okay. No, that that track is a standalone track, which is going to be the theme song for the next season of Rainbow Six Siege. Cool. That's yeah. So cool. they, you know, they've definitely reached, uh, you know, like a wider audience and stuff. They're definitely one of the bigger Australian bands. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I, I love all of North Lane's discography. I think the you know, Marcus joining was a really, really positive move for the band. And um, yeah. yeah, no, I recommend this album massively. It's very, it's a great album for escapism, even though the lyrical content is very claustrophobic and pretty grim. Mm. The, the actual sound is, you know, very, it's great for escapism. Um, the presentation of the record as well, you know, the, the, the album cover. I don't even know what the album cover is. It's like a, let's have a look. It almost looks like a drum and bass album. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's kind of like a, just a sort of yeah. It look it looks like it could be a dubstep album. Yeah, I'm, the I'm seeing that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just a really nice direction for them. No so basically, guys, inspire me. 
This is a gent band, technical metal band that have progressed over into electronica. They've gone so far into the Matrix that they have become the Matrix. Um, so <laughs> if you if you like Matrix. the sound of that, yeah. then um, give them a listen. But yeah, from my, my personal experience, I, I was a massive fan of Adrian Northlane. I thought it was the sickest thing ever and then yeah. lost me after that. But yeah, I, you know. I might go yeah, back to this. There's, there's, there's still, I mean, you know, for, for old school Northlane fans, there's still something to be found there. Um, I'll just make one last point about Northlane as well. You know, what, one of the reasons that I love them and why they inspire me, you know, the, I think that's the thing these days. I like to listen to bands not just that entertain me, but inspire me. Do you know what I mean? Because of how, yeah. how complex and sort of creative they are. But something I really like about them is what they always do is they will wait until all the vinyl is sold out. And then when all the vinyl is sold out, they will then release a reissue of the record and an instrumental accompaniment as well. And they and, and Polaris started doing a similar thing recently. And I would I don't know about you, but I'd love it, love it if every band released an instrumental version of the record. Because I, I don't know about you, but I, I love I, I think I there's loved. there's never gonna be a case where I'd say, oh, they I wish they didn't do that. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, I'd always be keen on a band releasing an instrumental version of of their stuff. I mm. think some bands like it's not needed, but um, I think it really it it, it suits tech metal journey stuff very well because like Nexilver, not Nexilver, um, they are another tech metal band, but mm. um, Tesseract do the same thing, instrumental mm. albums. Um, so you know. For, for, I, I think for that genre of music, it really does fit because there's so much technicality going on. It's like, and a lot of the time, the vocals are kind of interchangeable, really. Like, she's just an incredible vocalist, but I find there's not often too many that's like, that's the one. Like, I know in Tesseract's case, I think they've had about 15 vocalists or something. Really? They're all, they're all incredibly talented, but like, mm. they're just interchangeable. But yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I would always enjoy an instrumental version of any record. Um, but yeah. I mean, to- to, to me, an instrumental record is it's almost like a, a bit of an insight into the production of the record. Do you know what I mean? It's like a, yeah. it's almost like a studio diary in a way. Love just did it, didn't to, they? Love yeah. Well, I, th- I think their album that what they've released is an instrumental album. It's not. Well, that's the latest one, but they did release I Let It In instrumental before that. Oh, really? So, yeah, they've actually okay. had three releases now. Yeah, well, it's cool, man. It's you know, it gives you sort of like a blueprint. And sometimes I'll be honest, I love putting on a Northlane uh, instrumental in the car and just filling in the vocals myself. Sing along yourself, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice. I mean, I can imagine if I was a huge fan of the said band to have more content to play around with is always a bonus. Like, I think that must be pretty cool for you to have just like so much more of your favorite band's content, in no matter how it comes. Like, it's just nice to have more of the shit that you like. Like, I would love Misery Singles instrumental albums as well be a great thing yeah sure. yeah exactly and so uh, my number three quick and simple yeah. architects lost forever we don't need to go into Whoa. anymore we spent so much time talking about it um talking about architects but phenomenal one of the best metal albums ever made fire on all cylinders it's perfect from beginning to end vocals unbelievable uh, drums unbelievable everything's amazing and, and if you like don't know the, it so it's the, the middle eight of broken cross is like if well, whatever the breakdown equivalent of the middle eight is like, that is possibly the best, the most brutal vocal slash instrumental delivery of any song ever. It's fucking ridiculous. It's just, it's just the album is phenomenal, and it set the standard, set the precedent for modern metalcore post twenty thirteen or whatever. So it's the goat, 
and uh, not much else needs to be said. Number four. All right. So this is an album that I could talk about all day. Um, and it's a band that I've not actually mentioned on the podcast yet, which is surprising because they're a band that mean a lot to me. So this one is uh, Let the Ocean Take Me, which is the fourth record from Australian band The Amity Affliction. If you couldn't um, already tell by now, Don is obsessed with Australian metalcore. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, there's something in the water in Australia. You know, Polaris, Partway Drive, Amity Affliction. You've got that new band, I think, it was Void of Vision. You know, there's, there's, there's definitely something going on over there that just creates these phenomenal bands. Um but yeah, I'll be honest with you, like Let the Ocean Take Me, it's one of those bands, uh, one of those albums that objectively isn't necessarily that impressive or imaginative. It's kind of, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty generic. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think it's just because it was an album, and, and I've, I can say this for quite a lot of the albums on this record, I think it comes with the territory with metalcore. It's one of those albums that kind of came at a time when I really needed it to. Mm-hmm. I was a big fan of, you know, Young Bloods and Chasing Ghosts preceding this record. I know that you dabbled with them a little bit around that yeah, time yeah, as well. Definitely. Yeah. And um, yeah, you know, it, it, um, I remember when they announced the record and they released the song Pittsburgh, I remember staying up all night, just, you know, waiting for it to drop. Big tune. Yeah, you know, they've got the choruses, they've got he's got a really powerful video. They've got like a sort of children's choir in there, which adds to the atmosphere. And uh yeah, you know, it was probably it was the last good record they did. Yeah. <laughs> um it, and it did a lot for them as well, you know. Off the back of that, they started playing, you know, not so much over here, but in Australia, you know, 12, 15,000 cap venues. You know, they did like a core headline arena tour with a day to remember. Uh, I read earlier that they're like the only Australian rock band other than ACDC to have that many number one certified platinum. Yeah, <laughs> so like, I mean, a fiction are one of those weird. weird exceptions where like to American and UK people that aren't too familiar, like they're just kind of your average metalcore band in size. But then if you... In Australia, they're like massive, absolutely massive. massive. They, yeah, they play like they play like like football arenas, and he's, he's, I mean, football arenas over there aren't as big as ours, but they're still huge. They, they're, 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 their success is really bizarre because you know that there's there's guys in the UK hardcore scene. You know, I'll, you know, I mention Amity too, and they haven't fucking heard of them. They haven't heard of not yeah. even heard the name. But well, they I've are got to be honest. Apart massive. from me finding out about Youngblood's album back in the day, I never ever hear or see anything from them. So I, I, mm. it is one of them things. Like they're just huge in Oz, and like, it's kind yeah. Of crazy. Yeah, but yeah, no, that, that that was a great album for me. Um, it's yeah. one of those albums where not only do I know every lyric off the album, I know every part of every song. I know every, yeah. I know how it, every every bit of it goes. You know, you can you could play me a two second clip of any part of that record, yeah, and I'd know exactly what song it was straight away. So yeah, mm. now something I definitely recommend if you want, you know, heartfelt lyrics. Uh, Aaron Stringer's lovely choruses as well. Sick. Well, my are we on number five or four? I've lost count. Something four. like that. Four, right? Yeah, four. Um, so as we're on like albums, would you say would you say in some sense like um, let the ocean take me was like it it like made you into the person you are, kind of like a, de- a definitive album for you? Yes. Cool. So as we're on that topic, my number four is Parkway Drive, Deep Blue. So oh. definitely, I wouldn't be the person I am today without that album. 
I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't even like this shit music we call metalcore if it wasn't for this album. Like this album changed everything for me. At like I don't know, fourteen or I don't know. Holy shit! I don't, yeah, what a mental album, man! Like it just brings back so many amazing memories. Like Sonosphere, the first uh, metal festival I ever went to. I remember walking down like the really long path to get into the festival. It was like a mile long or something, and I could hear. Uh, I'm trying to think what song it was. I think it was Deliver Me. Um, and I could just hear it. And that time I, I knew about them before that. So I was like, run, I started running. Like I heard them play Deliver Me because the stage was right by the sort of entrance bit. I was like, fuck, like ran in and it was just kicking off. They had the um, the Lilos. This is classic Parkway back in the day. You got like the, the rubber dinghies, you got the Lilos, like, you got all the, all the fucking blow up stuff getting thrown about, bodies flying everywhere. And it's like they made a full festival feel like a 300 cap venue. And I just never see anything like it. Um, Deep Blue had just come out. Best thing ever, man. Just And then after sort of being obsessed with them, seeing them like download Sonosphere and seeing them a couple of shows in London and stuff, I had that album on repeat and it pretty much was the reason I wanted to be in a band. So then I started, you know, I kind of been playing drums a little bit before then, but I just, it got me really into playing drums and it got me starting a band and I wanted to just sound like Deep Blue, Parkway Drive. I just, everyone knew it was my favorite album when I was like 15. I just was obsessed and a lot of the music that I made around that time was just trying to sound like that pretty much. So it really put me on a path. Um, and yeah, it's just such an, such an important album to me. It brings back so many memories of being a kid and playing in bands and stuff. And um, that to me, that that's definitive Parkway to me. Like I think Horizons in the previous albums, they're amazing. And Romance is Dead is one of my favorite songs ever. We My, my first band covered Romance is Dead at our album launch show in Highbury and Islington in London. We managed to sell it out. It was like 17 or something. We managed to sell out like 300 cap venue, which for us was like, off the off the hook. yeah and we and we covered romance is dead and um it was the sickest off, sickest thing it popped yeah. off disgustingly <laughs> um but yeah like that song is one of the best songs ever but but deep blue just the music video for the one we're on the beach the music video for flipping karma oh my god just karma yeah. samsara unrest sleepwalker deliver me sleepwalker just iconic there's just it, there's just so so incredible and i remember seeing him in brixton i think it was with parkway uh bring me or yeah architects or something like that the back of that huge tours were massive obviously so i've got so many great memories of that and parkway at that time everyone considered them to be like the hardcore band it, like, even though they weren't but like at that time compared to bring me and sort of architects stuff, they were hard like parkway were scary like they're breaking you know what i mean so when they would come on it would just be violence and i remember uh, brixton academy Parkway came on Deep Blue, just come out. I remember seeing Big Banner and everything. Brixton Academy, like the whole venue is like on a slant. So the whole venue is like if you if you come in from the from the entrance to the stage, it's up, up here. And when you're down at the front of the stage, it's here. It's like a really weird sort of dip in the whole venue. And the whole place just pushed down. And I remember like being sort of midway and I thought I was going to get crushed because the whole the whole venue moved. Like Parkway had everyone losing their shit. The pit was like from 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 side to side of Brixton, the whole pit was open, fists everywhere. Like it was it was violent. It was mental. I remember being like fifteen. I was shitting myself. I was like so excited, but at the same time, I was like, I don't want to get crushed here. Like it was mental. It was like full on fist flying and just moshes everywhere, but in this huge room. And I remember thinking like, I just to this day, I haven't experienced anything like them old Parkway Deep Blue shows and just 
what a band for me the album afterwards they fell off so for me deep blue is forever immortalized as a perfect piece of my life and of history and of music so boom i'm out yeah number four. great shout i mean i funnily enough the follow-up record is on my list atlas interesting so um, this is number five now yeah, just because, I mean, it, I mean, it was what, 2012 when it came out, you know? So, Later than that, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, Actually, I mean, you, I, might, I, you might be right, you might be right. I, I think Atlas is one of the best metalcore albums of the of the 21st century. Um, yeah. I know it's not widely considered their best. I mean, it, it's, definitely, right. it's definitely well, it's a definitely very well-liked record. It wasn't a... A change in direction by any means, although there was a, there was a bit more gang vocals, there was a little bit more, uh, a little bit of experimentation that you you, you saw fully uh, materialize in the follow up yeah. record, yeah. But um, yeah, you know, I just thought I think some of the songs off of that, you know, Dark Days, Wild mm. Eyes, Slight Huge. of Hand, Snake Oil and the Holy Water. Um, Old I think I think music old... is such a time and place thing, and I think deep right. blue for me, the time that I was at in my life in bands, yeah. playing gigs, like selling out shows and stuff, it was it immortalized that period. You know what I mean? Whereas things yeah, started yeah. changing for me quite quickly. So by the time uh, the next record came out, it just you know things were different. So I think that yeah. was part of the reason. You know, I think I wasn't fourteen anymore. Yeah, I mean, the, one of the reasons I didn't have anything to say then about about Deep Blue was because I agree with everything that you said. Like, I had the very similar experience, very very fond memories of Deep Blue, the touring cycles off the back of it. Um, but yeah, something just hit different with uh, with with Atlas. Um, you know, I loved Old Ghost New Regrets. I loved how there was a breakdown, and then it it's really weird because you know the bit. I mean, it's like we're born with nothing but we die alone that yeah bit. and it's like the breakdown kicks in but then it kicks in again with like yeah. a different pattern yeah. and then it kicks again again and they go half time yeah and like to me that was just like one of the most brutal partway drive moments mm. um and mm. i think in terms of flow atlas was just, i mean song for song deep blue i think was better than atlas but in terms of the flow and yeah. the, the arrangement of it yeah. I'd have to say Atlas is the favourite for me. I mean, yeah. I, I love everything Partway Drive have done. Yeah. I loved Aya. Uh, a lot of people, that was where a lot of people switched off for, for Partway Drive because I know the song Vice Grip was a little bit too, uh, it had those stadium rock I, I can't stand then, it. Parkway Drive and Arenas for me, I can't stand it. So yeah, I fully switched yeah. off past past um, Deep Blue pretty much and that was it, man. For me, that's Fair them. Enough. That's my Parkway, you know, like yeah. I, I'll always enjoy them live, but that's that's it for me. Yeah, I I was a was a great album. Uh, Reverence was, I liked it because I, I, Partway Drive could put out anything, and I'd probably like it to be honest with you, just because they've all you know they've always you know the good songwriters. Um, but yeah, there you go. Sound. So that was your number five. My number yeah, five. Man. I'm gonna kick it old school. Try and mix it up. Um, Seven Angels, Seven Plagues. Jasmine's Lullaby. Yes. Yes. So I'm not I'm not gonna jump on here right now and flex flex and say that I came out the womb with a copy of Jasmine's Lullaby in my hand. Um what year was this record? Was it like late nineties, ninety eight or something, ninety seven? 
Yeah, so one of the main reasons that I love this album is because Ryan Morgan, the guitarist for Misery Signals, this was his first band, and Brandon from Misery also stepped in at different times to play with this band. So for me, I love everything that the members of Misery Signals touch, and knowing that this was an extension of their music, I mean, it's before them, but knowing that it's anything they had anything to do with, I'm just all, I'm going to love it. Um, so, yeah, this album... 2001 i thought it was older than that this album is yeah. stupidly heavy so one thing about obviously 90s early 2000s your og metalcore is it's just <laughs> visceral it is just so disgustingly heavy the breakdowns are just relentless um and then the sort of the parts the melodic parts which obviously with misery signals became way more pronounced you know you had way more sections of beautiful melody and and clean vocal and just all this kind of there was just more of it um this album when it does come it's so rare and so spotted about the album that it's like it's like oh god what a relief this is the most beautiful thing i've ever heard and that's what one thing i really love about it is for the most part this album is crushing this album is just stupidly heavy and then it will have moments of just pure beauty, which are really just so, so nice. Um, and yeah, I just think it's a solid, it's a good fucking time, man. It's heavy as shit. And for me, you can really see where, where Misery Signals came from with this. This is like the baby before it, you know, it bloomed into the origin, origin story, isn't it? Yeah, for me, this is just the Misery Signals Origins album right here. Um, and some bangers on there, Commentators Despair, Arcadia Fades. Silent they, should have called, they should have called it Miss Six Begins. They should, man. Silent Deaths, Crowded Lives is one of my favorites as well. And just, yeah, they, they mentioned this band sort of in the documentary as well. And there's some really cool sort of background to this with um, sort of them carrying on Misery Signals sort of, you know, out of the ashes of, of, of Seven Angels. This, this, it sort of came, you know. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing album. Um, very stupid stupidly heavy but uh, i don't really have much more to say about it other than it's stupidly heavy i like some of the lyrics on here um mm. some of the melodic parts again just really give me mystic vibes and uh yeah it's rough around the edges definitely rough around the edges but it's a good time and it's a good time so yeah that's my number five moving on to number six number six all right so this next record is an album and a band that i never get bored of I never find cheesy. I never find in any way like distasteful. Um, I love them. So this is perhaps not a metalcore album as such, but there's enough metalcore in there for, to justify it on the list. It is Ascendancy by Trivium. All right. All right. So like, you know, by a lot of metrics, it would be metal yeah but you know the, the thing is with trivium is they've been influenced by all kinds of stuff man you know they've got the thrash metal on there they've also got the you know the breakdowns they got some discords uh, and ascendancy to me is pretty much a, a flawless album um mm -hmm. it was released back in 2005 and i'll tell you what they were young as fuck when it came out i'm pretty sure matt heafy was like maybe like 19 or something when that came out mm -hmm. yeah you know he's not he's not that old now um yeah i mean i myself discovered it in 2008 the album that actually got me into trivium was the album after it which was the crusade 
um, which was kind of like a thrash metal album, which was, you know, there's not much screams on it. It's mostly like singing. Mm-hmm. But they went, but yeah, I went back and looked over their old discography. The first album member to Inferno was a little bit too raw for me, although I'd really enjoyed the remaster they did the other year. But yeah, Discoveries, not Discoveries, <laughs> Ascendancy, that was really the sweet spot for me. Um, it's it's definitely a legacy. It's probably the only album on the list here, which is sort of on, on my list, which I would say is like considered widely to be like a classic album. Mm. Um, the you know the top the topics that were confronted on the album were things like you know abuse, suicide, society's cruelties, um, and yeah, his you know his, his lyrics are society's really society's cruelty. <laughs> This year, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, cruelties. I, to be to be clear, this I'm is reading a cruel society. Yeah, <laughs> I'm reading directly off the Wikipedia page for that bit. So, I could tell. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not that cringy. Yes. If you like, cruelties. if you're interested in our cruel society, guys, check out Trivium Ascendancy. All right. Yeah, but you know, the, it's it's got all the bangers on there. You know, dying in your arms, pull harder on the strings of your martyr. Um, and I mean, there's a drummer. I mean, are you into him, by the way? Because like Travis Smith is a fucking incredible. Their, drummer. their current drummer is off his tits. Yeah, yeah it's some serious yeah, like, shit. But they've album... never really done it for me. But they're definitely not a bad band by any means. Yeah, you know, you got you got your plenty of double bass pedals uh, on on this record. Oh, mental! Yeah, new drummers off his head. I, I don't know who was drumming from at this time, but yeah, they're always being really crazy in that department. And every every department, the guy's just mental guitar. I see it as kind of like Silosis where mm-hmm. you're just, you know, you've got incredible guitarist and singer does the same thing at once. And Bullet For My Valentine, guitarist and singer. And just, I don't know, some people are just too talented to just sit in the metalcore realm. They have to go out there and just, you know what I mean? They end yeah, up in man. metal because they're too talented. Too many skills. Exactly. Many and skills. yeah, you know, it's got a great balance of screaming and, uh, you know, melody. And, you know, funnily enough, as miserable an album as it is, I actually just associate it with a great time in my life, you know, playing Modern Warfare mm. uh, after school. Drinking Monster. Well, yeah, not, not so much. More. I drink more Monster nowadays, really. I'm, I think I'm, I'm getting more, becoming more of a Grebo as I get older. But Damn. yeah, just, you know, smashing Modern Warfare 2, playing on, you know, Rust and just listening to, I think it, this, this was my, this was a big Call of Duty album, as was uh, Homesick by Day to Remember. They were like the two soundtracks to Modern Warfare for me. So, yeah, cool. Lo- cool. love Trivium. Uh, and yeah, you know, they're like a fine wine, better with age. Sick. Well. So my number six, bringing it back to the present day, While She Sleeps, the North stands for nothing. Um, I was I was in two minds over to put this on the list. I think one of the main reasons is if I'm going to say Deep Blue, this has to be up there as well in an album that that defined me, that just I, I can think of it and listen to it and have a whole period of my life that is forever immortalized by these these songs. And uh, that's that's it, man. When While She Sleeps first dropped that album, I was mind blown. EP, whatever you want to call it. Never heard anything like it. The shows were the craziest thing I'd ever seen. I had so many friends that were into these songs and remember lots of house parties and shows and all sorts of things with this with this album on. And it was phenomenal. I remember like reading about them in Kerrang and just like, yeah, it brings back a lot of really cool memories. This was before I'd even started. One of the first bands I ever saw in this kind of realm. So this brings me a lot of memories of just 
my first shows and um yeah man a lot a lot of good times so i mean musically it's it's just a solid metalcore album but it has a very unique like sound we spoke about this in the previous podcast um so i won't dwell on it too much but it's solid there's a lot of passion there there's a lot of emotion super melodic super brutal in, at parts as well and just a great time great time so there we go. They were really young when they wrote that as well. So they like, were very to write young. to write something that amazing at such a young age was sick. Right, I, they, bands I that come the... out with the first release being that good, it, it is a yeah. rarity. And yeah, Crow's video is burned into my mind. <laughs> you can hear more about uh, our thoughts on while she sleeps in the while she sleeps episode. But, yeah, check it out. But yeah, al- alongside that is is another sleeps record for me. For what, what is this number six now? That number we're on? seven. Number seven. Well, that's a shame because it would have been fitting for it to be six because mine is, this is the six. All uh, right. Sleeps, the debut album. Uh, probably like, from what I can remember, I've never seen like a fan base more excited about an album release in my life. Like, because they already got a really, really, really strong following off the back of the North Stands for Nothing. Mm. Uh, and I remember like just the, you know, they dropped the sing, they dropped the lead single, This is the Six, and they dropped Seven Hills and, um, yeah, the fans were just absolutely foaming at the mouth for this record, and mm. it, it it delivered. It was everything that I wanted and more, you know. Um, mm. So I remember, "Dead Behind the Eyes" came out quite a long time before. I the think album this is released. number six. You know, I'm getting <laughs> a bit confused. So we said, "Misery Signals," "Counterparts," "Architects," "Parkway," "While She Sleeps." That's yeah. that's, and then Seven Angels. That's six. Oh, no, yeah, no, right. This is your number seven. No, correct. Okay, yeah, yeah. Continue, done, this is number seven. Yeah, yeah, this is my number seven. Um, but the album is, is called This Is The Six. Uh, I really it like is. the concept as well because the idea of This Is The Six is that there's five members of While She Sleeps and the sixth member is the While She Sleeps community. So that's some, so this, this idea of, you know, the sleep society, the sleeps community is something that, that they've had since day dot, really. That's pretty um, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, from a, from a musical point of view, it's a metallic hardcore album. Uh, it's fast. It's got hooks. It's got some gang vocals on there. Um, there's some very heartfelt songs on there. Um, some really, really brutal ones. The song I recommend the most is the uh, penultimate track, which is the Plague of a New Age, and I would recommend that because it's just fucking vicious. So, right yeah, on. big up, big up while she sleeps. Big up North stands for nothing. Big up. This is the six. Lawrence, what's big your up number the sleeps, seven? Man. Number seven. So. Yes. Poison the Well, opposite of December. Classic. Um, Yeah, classic, man. What more needs to be said? They're the sort of band where every time I listen to this album or this band in general, I think, I I Google and I search, I'm like, what other bands sound like Poison the Well? I'm like, I always look through the related artists. I'm like, I need to hear more bands that sound like this. And for the life of me, I can't find any that sound. They're just, their sound has been unfuckwithable unmatchable I try you gave it a good go but didn't quite yeah some many have tried and many have failed is what i'll say you come at the king you best not miss right exactly because uh opposite december man it's got everything um i i do think that discography is 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 pretty great all things considered but this one is flawless from beginning to end every time i put it on it feels like 20 minutes but it's i don't know how long it's 40 i don't know it it, it goes fast is what i'm saying um nerdy is absolute screamer slice paper is a screamer 
I wish for things at work is a screamer. My mirror no longer reflects. They're just it's just it's just so good. One more needs to be said. The singing, like the clean vocal, is so fucking good. It just it hits that that sweet spot where it's like, oh yeah, that is that's the shit. Um and yeah, I haven't been able to find that. I haven't been able to find a singer that sounds like this guy. And when I go listen to any of the kind of metalcore, I'm not getting it. It's that rawness, it's that realness, the voice, the the pain and the kind of emotion, that raw emotion is what I crave with a lot of metalcore and poison the well. They they just fucking nailed it straight out the gate. So when was this? 2099 for 99, fuck's sake. Man. For fuck's sake. They set the template, set the standard, and um I love it. I bought the the 20 year re-release vinyl um a few years back, which I'm very happy to have. And uh yeah, I just thoroughly enjoy it every single time I listen to it. The riffs are massive. Um and yeah, the choruses are just so infectious, man. Slice paper wrist and nerdy. It's just such catchy fucking choruses. Um, and I'd really love to see them live. And I just think, yeah, for Metalcore, you know, so many bands that I love today would not exist if not if this album, if this band did not exist. So yeah, man, they have an incredible legacy and it's one of my favorite albums of all time. So that has to be on my list. It is a classic. Quick, a, quickly, a quick point on Poison the Well. How do you feel about opposite of December relative to their follow-up works because I believe they had three studio albums following that. Yeah, they had a tear like, from a tear, tear from, from the red, red and um, for you. the Tropic Rock. Oh, you come before you. So you come before you is fucking amazing, dude. I love it. Like I actually love them all. Even the Tropic Rock to an extent is is pretty cool. Like it's a diff it's a different sound, but it's pretty atmospheric and pretty cool. But they, I don't know much about this band, so I'm not sure what they were trying to go for. And obviously, it's easier to comment on what bands are trying to do in terms of like, you know, selling out or changing the sound, etc. If you know about the time period, and obviously with, with older bands, it's hard to know. With current bands, you, you can quite easily because you know about the scene and you know what's popular. You can usually tell when a band's trying to emulate something else, can't you? But with this, I, I don't know what what was cool in two thousand and nine. No idea. Um, but I know that it was a it was a massive departure in their sound. And obviously, they hadn't made an album in like five years or whatever after you come before you. But essentially, ninety nine opposite of December set the standard for. OG metalcore, this is what it should sound like. Tear from the Red was basically opposite of December 2.5, in my opinion, just more of the good stuff. And then You Come Before You was pretty much set the template for what um for what your 2010s, sorry, for what your mid mid to late 2000s metalcore was going to sound like and in the early 2010s as well. Like a lot more catchier, kind of poppier, almost poppier, but more catchier choruses. Um simpler less like aggressive breakdowns and more like hooks more bounce uh more playfulness as well it took itself a bit less seriously but also still like really emotional but just a lot easier to get behind so again like super su yeah amazing catalog but um for different reasons but they are definitely up there as like setting setting precedents they were pretty good at doing that so yeah you come before you is definitely um you can hear a lot of the later album bands emulating that. And then opposite of December, you've got, you've got that sort of in the early 2000s too. So there we go. Uh, Misery nice. Signals pretty much wouldn't exist if not for that record. Um, so yeah, I've got to thank him for that. That is number seven. Poison the Well, great band, great band. Um, yeah, really yeah. started 
started off the uh, metal core ting. Um, now then, this numero ocho. Yeah, and this leads quite tastefully onto number eight, which is Renounced Theories of Despair. Sick. Uh, which was 2016. Now, I've only just realised, actually, that, that you know, the whole thing off the previous record, my mirror no longer reflects who I used to be. Yeah, have you just realised it from Renounced? I only yeah. just clocked that as that being the last track on the opposite of December. Yep. But but yeah, you know, um, The Melancholy We Ache, which I think dropped in 2014, that was like... My favourite Renounced album. Yeah, you know, there's a lot to be found on that record, but I feel like they really nailed the sound on, on Theories of Despair. They went a little bit too metal, I think, on the... Very heavy. Yeah, but on this one, Theories of Despair, you know, long-awaited album. Um, it was really cool to see, like, a UK hardcore band or, or, or rather a band that kind of came up in UK hardcore do that well, because I remember when they tweeted out the album... Uh, and the link to the band camp on the day it was released, it got retweeted like 10,000 times or something. It was That's it was crazy. ridiculous. It I really popped off. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I love that record. It was very reflective of that early 2000s sound. Mm-hmm. I really liked the artwork as well. I thought, you know, that, that Dan, he's a, he's a great photographer. Mm-hmm. And I really liked the artwork of the, you know, like the birds on the sort of telephone pole. Thing. Yeah, that was. Was that it, his photo? It, it, I didn't know that. I'm guessing so. I'm Probably. guessing so. I mean, it might not be, but I'm guessing so. And um, yeah, yeah, he, he's he's a, you know he's he's an insi- quite an insightful guy. You know, like he contributes to a lot of the elements of renounced works, whether it be you know obviously the vocals, but also the music videos and stuff. Mm. Um, and incredible poison the world worship obviously uh yeah done super tastefully and just yeah it's sick so yeah there's, and there's they're probably breakdown. one of the closest bands i can get to to get that poison the well fix you know so, yeah sick yeah and there's a breakdown on the record at the end of a song called heartbeats cold and it sounds like a broken fax machine um, <laughs> and i love it's it always for that reason yeah, yeah. And I, lo- I love it for that it's um yeah yeah, Poison the Well worship, Misery Singles worship, um, one of it's the best shit. metalcore records of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, and it, Dan, and it's true Dan's lyrics are always so good. The lyrics are amazing. Like his like talky parts are like that classic like Poison the Well and Misery Singles like your talky um, before the huge break and shit. So good, so good. Yeah, and yeah, yeah and and classic. Yeah, they're going for that classic sound, Death to Force metalcore and all that. And, uh, that you know. that is that absolutely knocks me sick that but um <laughs> I, I am i tell you what they did really well off the back of that record they got tour with stray from the path uh they got they got offered a let live tour but turn it down i've no idea why and they still have a long way to go as well this band have only just got started i'm, I'm excited to see where they go yeah Next. when did Beauty of the Destructive Angel come out was it 2019 uh, that was a sick album as well really really enjoyed that album yeah. yeah, it didn't seem to have the same. It didn't seem to land as well as theories did, but no. But it's it's a solid, solid good time. But yeah, I think there's yeah, a lot man. more in the works for those guys. So that was. Is that where are we now? Eight. Yeah, number yeah, eight. I think I think. So yeah, you're on your number eight. Yeah, my number eight is disembodied 
Diablerie. 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 However you say it, whatever that means, disembodied Diablerie. So I found about... It's chords. I found out about this band when Code Orange popped off. It was like 2013 or something like that. I was listening to a podcast with Jamie whatever his name is from the vocalist of Code Orange. Morgan. Yeah, that's the one. And he said one of his favorite bands of all time were Disembodied and that Code Orange wouldn't exist if not for Disembodied. And I remember hearing that and thinking, who the fuck are Disembodied? Like, what is he on about? And him saying that they're the heaviest band of all time. So I was like, fuck off, heaviest band. Blah, blah, blah. Put them on and was like, oh, they are the heaviest band of all time. Okay, all right then. Um, and to this day, I've never heard anything as miserable um, as hopeless, as disgusting, as powerful, as just fuck your face off, heavy, as disembodied. Um, and it's hard, it's a difficult one for me because both Dablery and let me get this right. Bear with me, gang. Both Dablery and Heretic are flawless albums. Um, and my favorite disembodied song of all time is actually on Heretic Seven Stitches, but I do think all round Diablery has a stronger track list as a complete piece of work. Um, so Forget Me is one of the heaviest songs of all time. Nicotine is crazy, Anvil Chandelier. So these guys were just pioneers of the Discord, the Discord, and like dip, 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 that kind of shit. Um, to the point where it's like they'll do an entire song of just that and it's so good and um yeah aaron the vocalist i mean i don't know what the fuck he was going through at that time but boy the shit that he put on paper these lyrics are something else um am i right in thinking they went on to re-record the early discography for transfiguration so what was really exciting was in 2019 they they re-recorded well well they didn't re-record anything will putney remastered those records because they don't they definitely haven't aged too well these days so he remastered it and it sounds phenomenal um so i was super happy about that kind of wish i'd bought a vinyl but i remember at the time you could only buy the three the free pack and it was like 100 quid or something i was not going to do that um but yeah i'm so glad that they got remastered and, and bringing on a new audience of people because more people need to know about this band it's what amazes me about this band is in our time you have bands that just want to be heavy so they think okay how can we be heavy all right we down tune we tune the guitar as low as we possibly can we play as slow as we can and we just scream really loud and that'll be really heavy and they don't think anything beyond that like the kids that are playing that band afterwards will just go listen to taylor swift or something not to say that you have to listen to this kind of music to be into it but these guys thought about right how can we actually record the sound of just complete despair in all its forms so aaron's like talky moments in between like moments of just despair and like and just screaming it's such a powerful vocalist as well but like there's so many really cool talking moments um especially on forget me it's just it's just powerful it's pure power it's crazy shit um and some of the riffs are just they're just raging some of my favorites of all times on seven stitches um so yeah heavy heavy are slipknot riffs um they've really thought about how to make a heavy album beyond just let's down tune the guitars as much as possible they've really thought about what it would 
sound or feel like to be in that state of mind of just complete abject misery. So they're not a band I have on 24-7, I'm glad to say, but um, they're a special band. And I'll end this off with, I saw them and they are top three best bands I've ever seen in my life. I saw them at Sweatfest and I'm not, I don't want to go into this too much because I've got another band that's also on this list, which I'll mention soon. But um, the whole set was they had the red light on. So it was dark in the, in, the sh- in the room and you could just see this red light on the entire time. As far as I understand, most gigs they play, they make sure there's a red light over them. They know their shit. The sound was the best I'd ever heard. They got flown out individually from different states to do the, to do the gig. And uh, it was one of the heaviest performances I've ever seen. It was perfect. I loved it. To this day, I still get chills even thinking about it. And I basically left that gig just in shock and just thought, I can't believe that none of my mates were there to 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 talk about that because there was one of my friends there who I don't even talk to anymore and he wasn't even, really even that into the music. So it was just wasted on him. And I just thought, fuck me. Like, that's just in my brain. It's just the best shit I've ever seen. So there we go. They've got to go up there. Masterpiece, OGs. Legends, 97. What more needs to be said, man? No band has done what they've done since. And uh, yeah, they set the sound for Deathcore. Deathcore, as we know it today, would not exist without this band. And uh, Code Orange wouldn't exist. So there you go. Do you reckon that's the reason Code Orange play under a red light as well? Do you reckon that's kind of like... I didn't know they did, but if they do, I would pretty much guarantee it's because of that. Yeah, Jamie mentioned them being his favourite band ever. So Yeah, I think like with a new record, it's more of like a blue kind of theme, but... I don't think that, I don't think they've played any actual shows with people there off the back of that underneath record. No, they haven't. Only played, they haven't. They've done the live streams and stuff, but uh, but there you go. Number nine. Number nine. Now, now I need to uh, go back and learn maths again because I, I, I've somehow managed to uh, put nine albums together rather than ten. Uh, so I'll <laughs> pick I'll pick another one, but the last one. And to be honest with you, it's not like a, sta- a particularly standout one, um, I, you know, but it's something I really enjoyed at the time. It's uh, Let Me Leave by Saviour, um, Aust- you know, Australian metalcore band. I know you fucked with uh, Last Lights on My Deathbed a little bit, didn't you? You know, the, the one that Yeah, had- whichever the one that has Jaded on it. Yeah. Big fan of that song back in the day, man. Well, yeah, I mean, Jaded was the song where they had... Uh, Great drummer think- as well. Yeah, really good drummer. And Shantae Snow, who's like who was like originally like a folk singer, they had her do some vocals on it. And uh, I thought her without her, I think they could potentially just be quite a generic sort of metalcore band. But for anyone listening, this her, is another Australian metalcore band. Another Australian metalcore band, yeah. Like and I think her addition to the band as a permanent member was a really, really good idea. So it reminds me of Make Them it. Suffer. They've got the female vocalist yes. who's insane. Yes. And, and and another amazing Australian band. Yeah. And 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 it's one of those things where like obviously I, I wouldn't want to suggest that female fronted is a genre or anything because I know that could be quite problematic. However don't do that, Donald, think, whatever you do. Well, I won't. But what I will say <laughs> is that it it would be a fallacy to overlook the the you know specific contribution that like a female vocal register has to to music. Do you know what I mean? It, it creates. Yeah, and we'd be lying new... if we said it's common because it's not common. Exactly, and and you know it creates a new dimension, and uh, that that's the reason I love love the record. I can't really talk that specifically about it um, because I don't think just it's... a good time. It's just a good time, yeah. And you know, it's uh, it's Australian. It's emotional. There's breakdowns. There's melody. Everything. It's just a Donald record, front to back. Sick. 
Love it. Yeah, Australian metalcore is dope, man. So much of it is just sick. And Saviour, Jaded back in, the, back in the day, was a big banger. And having a look now, it's only got 800,000 views since 2013. It's criminal. Everyone sort your shit out. I'm not happy about that. There's it a should spider have 10 million on the wall. views at least. I'm just getting this spider off the there wall. There is a spider so on Donald's wall. Anyway, that brings us on to number nine. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say X for Repentance X, the sickness of Eden. The, um, the, the sickness, down with the sickness. Um, yeah, man, this is a screamer. This album is mental. If you like Slayer and you like, I don't even know, man, just Slayer riffs and Slayer riffs and Slayer riffs and Slayer riffs and then really slowed down Slayer riffs and then more Slayer riffs, then you're going to love this. Um, I'm not a vegan. I I am sober. I don't claim anything at this present time, but I am a sober human being. And uh, during the time of repentance being a thing, they're one of the best bands to get drunk to. So there you go. Um, yeah. Get drunk and enjoy Slayer riffs. And yeah, man. But the message I, I understand is very important. I was always pretty impacted by the shit that the, that the dude would say before the sets and stuff and it just hyped everyone the fuck up and obviously i know that the, the message that they spread is a very important message obviously vegan straight is a massive part of a lot of a lot of hardcore it is a genre i guess in its own right um i wouldn't say i have a huge catalog or expertise on vegan straight edge music but i will say that this band transcended a lot of that for me and just coming from primarily metal metalcore background growing up this was like damn the riffs are all over the place the breakdowns are insane to this day to, to see through eyes unclouded um break the end breakdown is one of my favorite breakdowns of all time top 10 easily it's a absolute screamer just want to kill everyone in the room when that pops off and uh it's just a great time and it also is a, is a really nice time capsule for me whenever i think of this album or listen to it it really like collects a period of time of outbreak fest and London shows and friends and um a lot of good nights. So yeah, for me, you know, the height of the UK hardcore scene, I think at one point was pretty much this band. So one of the best to come out of the UK hardcore scene in the past ten years easily. And uh, yeah, all round a wicked album. I mean to be honest with you, that probably would fit nicely into my final uh, you know, the number 10, because I, I, I loved repentance as well. Um, you know, it, and it Don is vegan and straight edge. Yeah. Well, and it, it was one of those albums where kind of like, I was already vegan and straight edge before I heard it, but it, it may have been the album that kept me vegan and straight edge. Oh mate, I, I can mean? imagine like if it, I was already vegan and straight edge and that yeah. album come out, I would just be like, absolutely wanting to kill yeah. everyone and well and the thing is it was like it was it was something i'd not really heard before as well like i remember talking to john about it after one of the shows i think it was at um it was dead fest in sheffield or something and i was like where do you get your sound from and he started recommending these sort of like late 90s european like metalcore bands i'm just trying I, to think and, of like the belgian bands yeah that like, was it yeah was um, it, is, is it eight thousand it's eight thousand that... that's yeah, I was, I, yeah, hate yeah, core, yeah but it's not hate core. that's yeah that's, that's yeah yeah, yeah. yeah eight thousand for and, sure and, and like archangel and all that sort of stuff 
yeah, and you know, it's they've got breakdowns and stuff, but they're not too chuggy. You know, that it's it's you know, it's, it's very it's metallic. Still, it's it's very metallic. It's still punk. Um, yeah, the, and and the screaming, it's it's not too guttural. It's kind of like more of a. It's more like of like a, a, like a, a shout, yell or like, like a, a yell. yell, yeah. And and it, but it's very like it's it sounds like it's coming from like deep within him. Do you know what I mean? It's very it's a very distressed sort of sound because they're trying to. Desperation, dis- isn't it? Yeah. Well, and, and that's thinking they, they, they're talking about the distress that animals go through, or the distress that they the planet's going through, and I think mm. that really, really translates. And and I, lo- I love, and, and they've got some really tasteful and well placed features as well. Um, they have uh, the opening track has uh, a clip from True Detective of Matthew McConaughey talking about. You know, human consciousness ever. being like a, a misstep in evolution. So that yeah. and that landed really well. Yeah. Um, they also have an EP, Violation of Ash, in Violation of Asher, which, which is I just preferred. As yeah. yeah, and they've got I think they've got a Watchmen uh, clip from that as well. So yeah, really, really. I mean, I don't like. I think sometimes samples can be a little bit not distasteful, but they can land a bit odd, especially if they're overdone. Yeah. Unless God's Hate are doing it, they can do it all day. They're, they're um, allowed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bang it. Go and listen to the new God's Hate self-titled, by if the you way. If you know what's good for you, go listen to it. Best hardcore record in a if long this, time. If, but we, yeah. if this was the 10 hardcore albums episode, my list would be 10 times God Hate, God's Hate self-titled. Yeah, we won't even need to do a podcast. We just sit down. Nah. God's hate. No need. listen to it. Yeah, but yeah, no. no I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I, I know we've done like a couple of albums at the same, but I'm gonna go ahead and put Repentance as my tenth because Sick. to be honest with you, I'm, I'm surprised I didn't think of it myself. Yeah, that was yeah. that's a fucking well, great record. Well, I think record. they're so ingrained in hardcore, obviously, that like it can be a little bit tricky. But I think musically, if I if I think of everything else separate and just listen to the music, there's there's a lot of metalcore there, you know, like a lot of the breakdowns mm. are like classic metalcore and a lot of the like riffs are very like just, just classic, like nineties metal in flames or flipping. I don't know. And like you say, hate thousand and just sort of like Swedishy mm. death metal riffs and Slayer riffs and all that. So, um, but then obviously with, with, a, with a modern edge as well. To be clear as well, anybody who's looking them up, it's stylized as X repentance X. Yes. Spell it right guys. Spell it right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, wicked album. Um, number ten. C- closing this one off. That was my ten. That was your ten. So I'll yeah. close it off. One last one. Um, Marta AD on Earth as it is in Hell. So I this was the this was the other band that I was going to talk about alongside this body, So I didn't want to go too much in depth. But essentially, uh, sheep. The guy's called on Facebook Sheep Tour Dog. I can't, I don't know his full name, but he is a legendary dude promoter. Put on a show called Sweatfest. It was 20, 2017. I don't know how long it was ago now. One of the best shows I've ever been to in my life. As a weekender, Martyr AD and Disembodied headlined both nights. He'd somehow managed to get both of them over. These bands are not active, they haven't been active for many, many years. Managed to get them over booked out all their flights individually god knows how much that must have cost him um purely because he just loves them and they did headline sets back front like back to back and um mark radio was the first night the disability was the second night and it was again one of the best things i've ever seen in my life um one of the heaviest bands ever just crazy like again from the og ilk you know mark radio like I mean, a lot of the members of Disembodied are in Martyr AD, so I kind of see them as kind of interchangeable. Um, 
but Mark Radia much more straight up, like thrashy metalcore upbeat hype, and then disembodied are like more what we'd now know today as I guess deathcore or just a lot more down tuned. Um, yeah, it's it's an incredible album. The let me have a look at the track list. The song American Hollow is one of my favorite songs ever. The breakdown in that is. I am a part of you. It is. You know fucked. what? It's absolutely the, fucked. Coming full circle, the, this would be the song that I would mosh out my mortal enemy. That's to. what I mean. This yes. is just, they are on another level when it comes to like just the raw. It, it, yeah. They, as, as breakdown technicians, they are one of the finest breakdown craftsmen. Um, and then broken mouth. That sound, sounds like an occupation. What, what do you do for a living? I'm a, I'm a breakdown, <laughs> breakdown technician. technician. Yeah, that yeah, should yeah. be on all uh, their resumes. Twenty-four-seven call-out breakdown technician. They will come out if, if your Literally. car breaks down in the middle of the night. They'll come out with our guitars and drums and do yep. some. Duh, 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 duh. You know how you know how I know a band's good. Once I've already been into this kind of music for like ten years, and then I hear a band and they still manage to somehow blow me away in the same genre. That's when I know I found a good band. And Mark Ray D was one of them. Both disappointed as well. But Mark Ray D was when I heard Broken Mouth for the first time. I remember being at Concrete Fest in like twenty sixteen or fifteen or something like that. And what um, festival? Yeah, Rolo, the the vocalist of No Zodiac, his band No Alters were touring that fest. And he played bass in that band. And I remember after they played the set, me and my mate Wayne had a few drinks with him. Um, and he had his phone like playing music and he put on Broken Mouth. And I was like, fuck, this is crazy. Like, this is so insanely heavy. And uh, I remember him just like talking, telling us about him and stuff and thinking, damn, let me check this band out. And uh, yeah, had been into him quite a, lo- a while, luckily before Sweatfest. So when I saw that lineup, I was like, I couldn't actually believe my eyes. Um, and again, yeah, to this day, two of the, two of the best shows I've ever been to two of the best bands of all time. Mark Radio are just iconic, man. They're iconic. They are so stupidly heavy. Um, OG and just, I don't know what one more that needs to be said, to be honest, man. They're just an incredible fucking band. So yeah, Mark Radio disembodied. I see them as a collective of just insane shit. And, you know, going then, up, go, yeah. sorry, go on. I was going to say, go, going over some of these bands like Martyr AD, Disembodied and Repentance, it makes me realise like there's a lot of bands that I've just forgotten about because obviously with COVID or whatever, and even before COVID, I, I, I don't engage in sort of hardcore the same way I used to. But yeah, yeah this brings back a lot of a lot of memories, man. A lot of lot of great memories, you know. Um, and if anyone goes on YouTube and just search Disembodied Live, this is hardcore you will see one of the most insane performances of your life. Like that was basically what the London show, you know, their performance was like that. The, the crowd was nowhere near as good, but if you go watch this is hardcore, it is just insanity. Um, that band and Moderati, this is hardcore is insanity as well. So anyway, that is that. And uh, I agree with you, Don, it does bring back a lot of good memories, dude. And I think with hardcore and like hardcore series, it's sometimes weird trying to think about bands that were distinctively metalcore but they get a lot of respect in the hardcore and i think a lot of like og metalcore bands get respect in hardcore but essentially it's metalcore music and obviously metalcore yeah. in its roots was just way more aggressive and um brutal and honest like the you know poison the world just honest like it has clean vocals but it's pure emotion like it's not trying to be any kind of sugar-coated thing and i think a lot of modern metalcore and a lot of the reason why people have a problem with it is in a lot of ways it's pop music with breakdowns and i think you know that doesn't mean it's a bad thing as well like that can be good like it's, just, you, a it's just a good time but it's a departure yeah. from its roots which was essentially the most honest form of expression you know and um 
Yeah, but for me, I, I look for that kind of honesty a lot, and that gets me a lot into the OG stuff because it's so raw. I'm just like, fuck, man, it's so it's so it's so insane. So anyway, honorable mentions as we've got here. I mean, this this podcast has gone off quite a while, so I don't want to spend too much longer. But there was one that I thought of as we started this podcast, and I thought I've got to put them on there. Hopes full, the satellite years. So I spoke to you when I first found this band. Tried to get you to listen to them. I don't think you listen to them a great deal, but. And, Wait, and even Arbi- the, the 2018 record Arbiter, I know it was completely different, but I loved that. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is it, sick, it's still amazing. And so, basically, Hopeful, I had no idea who they were, I'd never heard of them before. And I was in Canada, a lot of lonely, lot of lonely time out there. And uh, they just I found that band, I was studying late, I was just fucking pissed off, feeling you know, shit, and found them on YouTube because they're not on Spotify. This album, they are, but this album is not on Spotify. So I found on YouTube, searching for like more misery signals related stuff. Somehow found this and was like, "Holy crap, this is unbelievable!" Um, it's like Enter Shikari meets Misery Signals meets like emo, like straight up like emo bands. Like I don't even know, but it just it's so good. The atmosphere on it is incredible. It makes you nostalgic for a time in your life that that you don't that didn't even happen. Like it's just the the the, the feel of it is like this comfy nostalgic thing it's just so powerful i've been putting it on like in like the cold like walking home at night and stuff listening just thinking ah this is this is crazy this is so good it's just so atmospheric and and especially what i was looking for at the time which is like emotional metalcore like sad boy metalcore and og as well like you know back in the day early 2000s or whatever and uh yeah it's just it's an incredible album and i'm glad they're back doing their thing nowadays and uh, the new album, from what I understand, is pretty sick. I haven't given it a proper listen, but uh, it's done quite pretty well for them. Looking at Spotify, some of their most played music is off the new record. So, but yeah, huge fan of the Satellite Years. I'd love to have it on vinyl. I think it's a beautiful album, really, really beautiful. And I can't think of another band that actually sound like them as well. So, big up. That's my honorable mention. I don't have any others listed. So, if you have any more, Don, um, feel free. Um, just. I mean, it's an album that tours the line between hardcore and metalcore and metal, but uh, Hatebreed, Supremacy. Um, no, 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 not Supremacy. Um, fuck, am I, I don't know what I'm what talking about. Perseverance. 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 I mean, Supremacy is great. I love Supremacy, but... Agreed, yeah, Perseverance, Perseverance is the GOAT. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. Uh, Satisfaction is the death of desire. It's cool. I like it. It's, but I, I, I think that Perseverance is the the true, truly is the best hate breed record song for song. Yep. Tell you what, it does Agreed. it does annoy me when people talk about hate breed. And it's like, oh, Satisfaction is the death of desire. And it's like, you weren't around when that fucking thing dropped. And to be fair, I wasn't around when Supremacy drops either, but... You know, there you go. But like, it just isn't like the first album. I don't know where it gets all this fucking hype from. Like, it's all, no. it's all right, but it's not fucking perseverance. Like, it's all right. I got into Hatebreed through the self-titled in two thousand and nine. That was like but also. I wouldn't really consider Hatebreed a metalcore band. That's the no, thing because I, I was thinking about putting it on my list as well, but I wasn't hundred. I don't know really. I don't think so. They're in that. So, they, they, they dip the toe into the into that world. You know, there's there's breakdowns. There's there's it's for the most hardcore, part, though, you know? they are. I think they're like I say they're ninety percent hardcore, ten percent metalcore. Yeah, yeah. They're not metalcore, but they are a combination of metal and hardcore. We'll, yes. we'll give them that. 
Yeah. Yes. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, but they're I, much more of the hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're very much so. They're just it's, hard. Uh, good, good gym music. Good lifting music. I'll tell you what, though. Like yeah. genuinely, that album that dropped in two thousand and nine. I thought that was their debut. I genuinely thought that was the first record. I didn't know they had a back catalog going yeah, back that yeah. far. So that's happened with loads of bands, to be honest with you. Like I remember, I remember saying in the first podcast, like thinking that American Idiot was the first Green Day record, and then like. Yeah, yeah looking it up and it's like oh shit they actually go back quite a bit but there you go mm. big up hate breed big up hate breed man we're not, we're not going to say they're, they're definitively metalcore but we just love hate breed so we'll have them in there anyway why not yeah, and i kept i kept saying uh, per, uh super, um, supremacy what i meant to say was perseverance that is the album to listen to this is what he meant to say guys all right so here we go. Oh, perseverance. Perseverance. I want that tattooed across my fucking forehead. No, With I the gen- flames I gen- and everything. <laughs> I genuinely do want that tattooed on me somewhere, but I just find it's such a fucking long word. Like, I kind of want to get it on my back, but I, just, I don't know how... If you drink fit. enough monster energy, it'll probably just appear just on your head one day, yeah. Yeah, I could do with that. But yeah, no, that song, man, so it's important. It's powerful shit. It's powerful shit. Anyway, nice. um... Thank you for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. That was our 10 metal albums we love. As I said at the beginning, we could not make a definitive list because it is literally impossible to have a ranked list. So we've just thrown 10 plus albums that we fucking love. So there you go. Um, if you enjoyed this, do let us know because we will happily do 10 hardcore albums 10 pop albums 10 jazz albums 10 whatever albums whatever you like 10 um, porno grind albums 10 porno grind albums 10, ten... scene albums emo albums what's the genre that's um broken side we'll do Math 10 core crunk, albums. crunk crunk core crunk albums. core albums anything you guys want we'll do it um but yeah i hope you did enjoy that um and yeah i had fun and i'm not going to talk about any particular album but the fact that we've gone two hours and the words as i lay dying haven't been mentioned is a crime um Big up the powerless rise oh shit i mentioned an album there you go but go and listen to that go listen to that go listen to that um, and yeah, I can't think of any other honorable mentions that I want to say. I feel like I've gotten, I mean, generally what I've said there is pretty much my top 10 metalcore albums ever, but I just couldn't pick them in order. So there you go. Um, go and get your metalcore fix. Uh, stay well, stay hydrated. Yeah. And if you, if you, and if you listen to any of these, just make it misery signals, man, do yourself a favor, like just sort it out. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed that one. My name is Lorenzo. My name is Donaldo. And we are the Grumpy Old Mosheraldos. Peace. Peace out. <laughs>